This is Spotlight, WMFE's arts, culture, and entertainment segment. The Spotlight is on now. I'm telling you, Blake, in for Nicole Darden-Creston. Storytelling through the art of puppetry has a long tradition in Africa and can be found in Black American spaces today, like ventriloquist Willie Brown and his puppet Woody. I like going to church with my white friends. You do? Yeah. Why? Because white folks have a personal relationship with God. They know God. They only stay in church 20, 30 minutes tops. They just walk right in. How you doing, God? How are you? Nice to see you. That's a good outfit. I like that. Things are going great. Okay, God bless yourself. Paulette Richards is a puppet artist and the author of Object Performance in the Black Atlantic, the United States. She recently spoke at the University of Central Florida about the role of black puppetry and object performance in the black church. Paula, thanks so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed your talk today here at UCF. And I'm kind of curious, you know, for our listeners, if you could just tell them a little bit about how puppetry and object performance is linked to African-American history here in the U.S. In 2018, I worked with Dr. John Bell at the Ballard Institute and Museum of Puppetry, which is part of the University of Connecticut Stores campus, We were co-curators of an exhibit called Living Objects, African-American Puppetry. And in our research, we were looking for evidence of a lineage of object performance influencing from Africa to contemporary African-American puppet artists. And we were also trying to determine if there was anything distinctive about African-American puppetry or whether it's just a branch of American puppetry. So what does African-American puppetry have to do with African-American history? A lot. In the course of my research, we immediately hit a brick wall because we did not have any objects from the period of enslavement that were made by enslaved people that would meet the prevailing definition of what a puppet is. And so that was a rupture or a break in the lineage from Africa to present day black life. And after the exhibit, I kept digging to try to um, establish a connection. And I realized that there was a performance complex within which things like mask performances existed in Africa and that the elements of that complex survived in the Americas, such as the Br'er Rabbit stories, even without objects, and that the capacity to mount a spectacle drama with masks or other performing objects, which existed in most of the societies that enslaved Africans came from, actually was a function of the social institutions and networks that people had. And the disruption and destruction of those social institutions and networks was the primary reason that it took into the 20th century for African Americans to reclaim this art form. You said it took us into the 20th century to reclaim this art form. And you talked a lot about how puppetry plays into ministry and into the black church. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you found about the role of puppetry in the black church? 
So that chapter in my book is an extension of an underlying thesis because I couldn't find objects that were theatrical that we would call puppets. But what I found was ritual objects. I looked in the WPA slave narrative records and there was nothing when I put in the keyword puppetry or marionette. But when I put in the word doll, I got lots of hits. And once I understood that enslaved people made dolls and received dolls as gifts and owned dolls, an object that you own that is for your own private use, you can assign any meaning to it. And people we know assigned spiritual as well as just play and entertainment meanings to these figurative objects. And so then I'm like, where I have to look for this lineage of African-American object performance is in the ritual objects. So the black church is the space where the use of ritual objects that people had known in Africa continues sort of under the radar, under the surface. You also talked about puppetry in a way that maybe you're not thinking about puppetry when it comes to black churches. And one of your examples was fans. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about how a fan could be considered a puppet when it comes to the black church? The fans that people may remember from their experience attending church before the invention of cheap color printing would have been woven from palm fronds or fibers like that. And the techniques for that kind of craft were passed down as embodied knowledge from African ancestors. So if you've been to church in places like Florida, an unconditioned church in the summertime, it's a very hot, stuffy place to be. So those palm frond fans were essential for people being able to sit through the service. However, these types of fans had been ritual objects in Africa. And so they are not serving precisely the same ritual function in Christian churches, in black churches, in the Americas, but the knowledge of how to make one and the sense of it holding and circulating breath gives it a kind of animation. Then when we start putting images on fans that are holding and circulating breath. We're animating actual figures of people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And at that point, I can stretch the definition of puppet and say that is a puppet, not just a fan. Right, because if you've got a picture of, say, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the fan, you're moving it around, waving it to a song. It's almost animated in its own sense. Speaking of that, you talked with several pastors, including one right here in Sanford for your book about puppetry. And one of the conversations you had were about puppets having souls. And based on the people you talked to, what's their consensus on that? Within puppet ministry circles, there has been a lot of care not to imply that the puppet, the object, has a soul, but the puppet ministry artists that I interviewed 
in their practice, they see the puppet as representing a human character that does have a soul. So they can enact the story of someone becoming saved, for example, with a puppet. And for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit bit about the history of how puppets came into churches and started helping, you know, teach the word? We can go back to the Middle Ages in Europe, where congregations were largely illiterate. And so in the Catholic churches of that time, puppets were initially used to act out Bible stories so that people would know the stories that were important for illustrating tenets of faith. And in fact, the word marionette, marionette, comes from the French as a diminutive of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So people would act out the nativity story, for example, with puppets. In the United States, we have a long gap between those puppets, which were kicked out of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages because puppets have a way of getting rowdy and saying things that are perhaps not appropriate for service, and then the whole Protestant Reformation, which rejects figurative images of the divine, to the 1970s when the popularity of Sesame Street and The Muppet Show, Sesame Street in particular as an educational vehicle, led people doing Christian education to realize that they could use puppets to spread the word effectively. And so puppet ministry becomes very popular in the 1970s and then moving forward from there. Right. And then that's how you get ministers slash comedians like Willie Brown and such like that. So I'm curious, through your research, what has been the most interesting thing you've learned about the role of puppetry and object performance in the black church? It would be the church fans. I think it was not so much learning as it was synthesizing things that I already knew and realizing oh, I can call that a puppet. So in the Auburn Avenue Research Library in Atlanta, where I live, there is an artifact collection, a big box of church fans. I looked at church fans going back to the beginning of the 20th century down to the present day and looking in particular at the the figures, the characters that those fans represented, once again, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., also Robert F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy. Those three figures were martyrs, both to the cause of civil rights and also Christian martyrs as well because they stood by their convictions and were killed for them. So within the black church, fans of those figures in the civil rights era in particular were very popular and some of your listeners may still have some of those fans hanging around the home of their elders. And we've been seeing a decline in in church attendance for quite some time now. So as that attendance declines, where do you see this art form going in the future? The church is only one place where African-Americans have access now to learning about puppetry. Schools are, of course, the other place where people have the opportunity to be exposed to puppetry. But the real fluorescence of African-American puppetry has come since Sesame Street 
and The Muppet Show because for the first time people could see them in their own homes on television. Because of the history of segregation, even when puppetry became part of American theater traditions, we didn't always have the right to enter theaters where puppet shows were playing. So we wouldn't necessarily have seen puppet shows in the earlier part of the 20th century, but with the advent of puppets on TV, that inspired many of the artists in my book. Now, puppets are not only on television, but they're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, and there's a whole hashtag, which has been going for you know 10 or 15 years, called hood puppets. And the, these are puppets with a hip hop sensibility. So that's one of the places that African-Americans are making their mark on the evolution of this art form in the United States. But we also have black puppeteers on shows like Sesame Street. Megan Pyfus in the last, say, two years became the first African-American woman puppeteer on that program. And then there's also film and theater, so it's uh, busting out all over. <laughs> Paulette Richards, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you very much. That was puppet artist and author Paulette Richards. Spotlight is a production of 90.7 WMF E-News. Editorial guidance this week from LaToya Dennis. Support for Spotlight comes from our listeners. I'm Talia Blake, in for Nicole Darden-Creston. Thanks for listening.